Just a quick break to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. I'm talking no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element can help you to not only reach your highest performance goals, but also will fuel you in the day-to-day to live your healthiest and most efficient life. Put to the test, Element has been used by the U.S. Olympic team, NFL, NBA, NHL, special force teams, and hundreds of thousands of humans who are striving to live their healthiest life. I've been using Element every single day for the past few months, and whether it's gearing up for a hard track workout or trying to focus on some podcast work, I always feel better, more alert, more hydrated after taking Element. You guys can get a free Element sample pack with any purchase through our custom URL. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect my favorite flavors are watermelon and raspberry salt uh would definitely check those out to get started element offers no question asked refund so you can try it totally risk-free today if you don't like it they will give you your money back no questions asked guys i'm confident you guys are gonna love it again go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect to get your free element sample pack with any purchase okay let's get back into today's episode Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect podcast with Dominic Chalier. I'm your host, Dominic, and I'm excited you've clicked on today's episode because for her third appearance, Emily Cole is back on the podcast. Emily Cole competes for Duke University. She's an absolute stud on and off the track. She's a pioneer in the NIL world. She's written her own book, The Player's Plate, and reaches, I honestly don't know how many people, I'm not even going to say millions because it might be more, so many people every single week through her inspirational and impactful content. Today's episode was just a fun conversation with a friend. I asked Emily really whatever came into my head and it made for an interesting and insightful conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed and am confident you'll walk away a better version of yourself. Before we hop into it, I would greatly appreciate it if you hit the follow button and give us a five-star review if you have not done so already. Doing those two things takes about five to ten seconds and helps us out exponentially and many of you listening right now have not done so, so I'd greatly appreciate it if you do so. And then something that all of you can do is share the show with a friend, a family member, someone you haven't shared with before. Doing that helps us to reach new people and hopefully through doing that, we can inspire them in the process. So without further ado, enjoy my amazing conversation with the incredible, the one and only Emily Cole. Emily, welcome back to the Running Effect podcast. Always a pleasure to say those words. How are you doing this morning? I'm so good. It's always a pleasure to be on Running Effect podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Dom. It's been too long. I know. I think uh, I had you on November, December, and we've been like talking about doing a podcast for a while. But as you know, in both of our lives, we're like always so busy. So always a pleasure to make it happen. I guess so much has happened between then and now. We have so much to catch up on. Exactly. That is the beauty of waiting a little bit is you have all the more to talk about, but I guarantee you like 50 minutes into this conversation, we're going to be like, we have to wrap up, but we have so much more to talk about (laughs) and we'll just be in this cycle. But I do have a, you know me, Emily, I love my quotes. And since November, I came, I came across this gem of a quote and I do want your perspective on it uh, because I think you'll enjoy it and have some good thoughts on it. So the quote is, One of the most tragic things I know about human nature is that all of us tend to put off living. We are all dreaming of some magical rose garden over the horizon instead of enjoying the roses that are blooming outside our windows today. Wow. You always have such good quotes. Where do you get these? Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, I also love just like following the Instagram account and seeing all the like inspirational quotes of the story. Like I I watch your story and I feel motivated afterwards. (laughs) I love it. Anyways. I think that is a really, really powerful quote, obviously. Um, but it's also one that I feel like I can resonate a lot with. I feel like I try to try to embody as much as I can. And a great example is this past week, I was actually supposed to go race Brian Clay in California. Um, and I didn't go do it because my quad has been bothering me for a couple of weeks now. And so we decided, first of all, jamming it on a steeple barrier probably wasn't the best idea. Um, but also a week of rest could really like help prepare me for the end of the season. So anyways, I like, I just really had a great time at home with my teammates. Like, and it's like, that's one of those things where it's a choice. Like, you can choose to either be super, super upset that you didn't get to go on this awesome trip with your teammates to LA and 
race against amazing competition, or you can use it as an opportunity to like connect more with other girls that are here and like go on little trips together and just like really enjoy those little things. And I, I feel like I remember consciously deciding that I was like, I'm not going to let this be something that like takes away from me because it's, it's my reality and you can choose how you let it affect you and your happiness. Going off of what you were talking about there, like another way of saying everything you just said is like having the right perspective, which I guess is what the yeah. quote is, like um, enjoying the yeah. roses that are blooming outside your windows today. But another saying that I love and I think is so, so true and I wish more people emulated in the world today is when something is going wrong instead of having the mindset, why is this happening to me? Having the mindset, what is this trying to teach me? And I think that's a yeah. super powerful mindset shift. So, so this true. is one example, I think, of a mindset shift for you in this industry but in your life, in your past, are there any other examples or instances uh, of things that went on that you think were good occasions to kind of flip your mindset and view, view things differently to grow positively? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the easiest one to talk about is just my, um, like for those who are listening and don't know, I had a, an experience with hyponatremia in high school and it was the night before my state cross country meet and I had really built this meet up a lot in my head because it was the first one I'd ever qualified for and I was supposed to be one of the top contenders and I ended up spending it in a two-day coma and obviously that was a really traumatic experience for me and my family and I remember waking up and my dad kind of having to break the news to me that I had slept through the meet and not knowing what that meant for me running wise like not knowing if that meant I could ever run again or not. And I just, I woke up and my brain wasn't really working correctly for the next week because they had to raise my sodium levels. And so my brain was a little bit swollen, but I do remember coming back and just having this huge mindset shift about like importance of nutrition. And it's totally what inspired me to, to write my book, but that was definitely a, a big mindset shift and a big learning lesson that I feel like a lot of positive came out of, even though it was, could be viewed as a very negative experience. Thing I've been reflecting on over the past few months, just like in my age and stage of life, and I'm sure it's similar at your age yeah. and stage of life, like the future is so unexpected and it's so hard to predict like what's going to happen, you know, what I'm going to be doing a few months from now, like with um, social exactly. media, like where your account's going to go, if you're going to get yeah. in a hair crisis or not, like what's going to yeah. happen. And a lot of people I feel like would view that unexpectedness from like a fear perspective. And don't get me wrong, I'm be if I'm being honest, I definitely am fearful about the future sometimes, but also so in mm -hmm. reflection, I'm like, kind of what makes life special is the unexpectedness of it. Because if we knew everything that would happen, it Absolutely. wouldn't be really fun. So what are your thoughts on like embracing the unexpected unexpectedness of life? You know, I think that sports really force you to have to learn how to embrace the unexpected really well. I remember being here for postseason last year and really trying to not admit how much it bothered me like the fact that I had no clue how long I was going to be staying in Durham because the postseason is so long but you don't know if you're going to make it to every meet and every meet is two weeks apart so I remember being here for regionals I had my regional qualifying mark I didn't know for sure until after ACC's but I didn't have a good idea to be there until then and it was like okay well if you qualify for nationals then you've got two more weeks and and the hard part about it was that they move us out of our dorms. And so I had to move like three separate times in this four week period. And I like had half my stuff at the senior's house and they put us at a hotel for like four days. And then we were going to Oregon for, so we went to Oregon for a week for nationals. And then I didn't know if I'd make USA's. So I came back home, got all my stuff in the hotel again, stayed for another week and then figured out qualified for USA's, went back to Oregon for another week. When I was like, I could have just stayed in Oregon this whole time. Um, but I think that that was definitely a practice in learning how to get comfortable with not knowing what comes next, especially in your immediate future when your body's a little banged up and a lot of your friends have left campus too. Um, even though there are a lot of obvious blessings in that time period too, those were um, definitely a little bit agitating um, unknowns. But I really feel like I learned through that process to find happiness in the little things and kind of explore things that you wouldn't usually do like going to the gardens or going in and seeing new restaurants around Durham things that you don't really make time for whenever you're surrounded by your friends and have a bunch of things to do throughout the semester but yeah I mean the unknown is definitely what adds the excitement to life and, and especially with social media I feel like I have no idea really what's coming next and I that's why I try to keep everything like as live as possible um, 
it's actually kind of bothering me because now I'm still posting my hair crisis updates, even though it's like three years I'm like, oh, I want to share new stuff. But I also know that that was such a big moment that blew up so much that I want to share every little thing from it. That the whole thing was so funny. But yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, like my listeners know at this point that like my conversations on the podcast are generally just like what I would ask the person <laughs> if I was on a phone call with them. So uh, this is like such a cliche, cliche question, but... What's your what's your end goal? I wouldn't say in life because that's maybe a bit like a bit too out there. But like in five years, what do you want to be doing or have accomplished? Or like the classic question of like if you could get paid to do anything, what would it be? I'm in a very I love life mindset right now. <laughs> and I kind of feel like I am living the dream, um, and I'm very well aware that I'm going to miss being a college athlete. And so I'm really trying to soak that up as much as I can while I'm here. I have one more year next year. I've got all three seasons, so that's super exciting. But I, uh, I mean, I would love to run professionally and kind of continue what I'm doing social media wise, but be able to do it more full time. I feel like the week that my hair stuff was happening, I was trying so hard to make content and go to the hair salon and do my workouts. I was like definitely more stressed during that week. And so I've definitely taken a step back from creating new things since then, because it takes a toll and it takes a lot of time to edit videos and make sure every single little thing is right. And so... I would love to be able to just do what I love in the morning, go do my long run, come home, add some videos. And like, that's my job. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> no, at that point, like the Emily Cole, like enterprise, you have like people to do your editing for you. You have to like delegate it. Like that's something that I've recognized yeah. with like all the top podcasters that's is true. literally like people like Rich Roll and Joe Rogan. All they do is sit down and have the conversation and then the rest is taking care for them. So, oh, yeah, you, you have to get so in that set up. Yeah, I've been trying to find someone. Anyone's listening and yeah, there you go. to, you know, help with social media. I, now I've been looking for someone to help me with the podcast page. Honestly, I need help get people for my other pages too. But what I was going to say is if I, if nothing ends up working out running wise, I always know that I can be Julia's tour manager and just travel around the country with her. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So the last time I had you on the podcast was... I think in November, and that episode was very much centered around your book, The Player's Play, and I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. My audience is probably sick of me being like, go buy this book, but go buy the book if you haven't already. <laughs> um, and then I had you on in July, which was like an introductory episode. We had never talked previous to that point. Um, but the reason I bring up the November episode is because it was so heavy on your book, and people who listen to that episode could very clearly see your passion for that project and the hours and months and literally years of work it took to get that book out. So how do you feel a few months removed? I think it's kind of a unique opportunity and timeline to speak on the whole process being removed from it. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I honestly feel like I'm just getting started sharing it because I've been in school and just with training and I've been so busy. I actually hit a big milestone that I haven't shared yet. I hit like 5,000 sales this past Yay. week. So that was huge, but I, I mean, I have really big goals and I haven't even reached out to book, bookstores and like local bookstores and, and libraries to get copies of it there. That's something that like, I have the instructions on how to do it and I just haven't sat down and made the time yet. So I feel like it's been like, I'm really grateful for everything that everyone that has gotten to read it so far. And I also know there are some people that haven't even reached yet, but that is really crazy to me considering how whenever I go to meets, I almost every meet that I go to, someone comes up and is like, hey, I read your book. And that makes me want to cry. Literally every time someone tells me that because it just means so much to me and I put so much into it. And I know that if they're reading the stories like the, of the athletes that I share in that book, that they are going to take something positive away from it and learn at least something about it, protect themselves and their relationship with nutrition and, and make sure that they're feeling themselves better. And so I just know that in some capacity, hopefully I've been able to help the person, whoever it is that's saying that they've read it. And that just means the world to me because obviously I put so much time into it and, and getting to meet the actual people who purchased it and read it, that is so special. And getting to take pictures of them like at meets too. And I'm like in the element of racing, it's just such a special experience that I couldn't be more grateful for. I know this is probably a really, really hard question to answer, but is there a specific instance that stands out in your mind where if someone reached out to you either on social media or in person, that was like extra meaningful and you'll always remember? Definitely all of the like in-person ones, but I actually had a, a really impactful comment on one of my 
initial videos when I was sharing the story of my book and it was a it was a woman saying that she I think it was her husband she lost her husband to hyponatremia and she was just really grateful that I was sharing my story and bringing more awareness to putting sodium in your electrolyte I mean in your water and in your food and making sure that people understand how crucial the nutrient this is and there were honestly several stories like that not that where people had passed away but had had very dangerous experiences with it that had all commented on the video too and that was a really impactful moment for me being like wow this is something that really not a lot of people are talking about and honestly i could talk about a lot more on my pages because a lot of my stuff is focused around my life and my running but this specific danger of hyponatremia has really altered a lot of people's lives and it's just a really important thing to get to share to help protect younger athletes especially so that was a comment that really stuck out to me that that is a message that i can start to hone my content in even more on we talked about a minute ago the book process and specifically wanting to get it into bookstores and libraries and how much of a process that is. I'm very curious, like mm -hmm. knowing you and all the incredible things you do, even when we're talking about like social media and like how amazing it would be to have like an editor and all that kind of stuff. Like this work takes so much time. So I'm curious in your life, in the 24 hours you have in a day, how do you figure out what is best for you to do and what you should be doing? Because there's like always stuff to do in school and running and social media and like a podcast, like all the different things you do. Like, how do you figure out personally if something brings you enough value to do it? Because like the saying, everything you say yes to is a no to something else. I think it's super true. So yeah. like, how do you, uh, I don't know, schedule, schedule your day for lack of a better word? Like, how do you figure out what you should be doing? Oh, it's a great question as well. I honestly feel like I'm not the best example of how I schedule everything because I really keep track of a lot of things in my head. Like I definitely write out to-do lists, but then I seldomly check them afterwards. It's kind of just to organize my thoughts around what is most important to do next. And I know we like one of the bigger quotes from one of our past podcasts was don't let the urgent overtake the important. And that's something that I feel like you know, if my teachers are listening, close your ears, but I feel like school can kind of be a lot of the time. It's like, this is due tonight. You can't, you know, create your video that needs to be posted today, or you can't make this, you know, proper dinner that will help you recover well because you have to finish this project right now. And it's like, you know what? The world is not going to end if I turn this in tomorrow. It's like, it's going to be okay. And like figuring out what's more important and really relevant in that moment. And that's something that Honestly, it's a bit exhausting trying to figure out what is the next thing to do all the time. But I feel like I'm just always thinking about what's the next thing I can do. And I was talking to my parents actually whenever they were visiting me for our home meet. And it was funny because I was telling them how I don't really listen to music in the car that much, like whenever I'm alone, because I like to think. And anytime that I get alone time, like whenever I'm walking or whenever I'm driving and I have that time to think and kind of process what I should be doing next or like what else is the plan for the day. I'm just kind of constantly doing that and I don't really turn my brain off, which can definitely be exhausting. But yeah, I feel like as far as a, an actual good answer for how to organize my things, I, I definitely make my to-do list and figure out what are the most important things and really try and, and focus in on those first. But I think the cool part about social media is whenever I'm going on to create something, I can be using it as a distraction for something else but then I can also say it's productive because it's my job. <laughs> so it's a nice little cheat code there. So in like the past 10 minutes of the podcast, if people didn't already know, they're like, wow, Emily does probably a lot more than I thought she did. Like, I think a lot of people <laughs> like see, they'll see this 50, 60 minute podcast interview, but they won't see like the four other hours I put into it. Or they'll see uh, Instagram reel of yours, but they won't see, you know, like a 30 second clip, yeah. but they won't see like the hours it took to get that clip out there and there's a exactly. saying I came across like a month ago that when I read it I'm like oh my gosh I have to bring this up on podcasts with like people like yourself and the quote is it yeah. doesn't make sense to continue wanting something if you're not willing to do what it takes to get it if you don't want to live the lifestyle then release yourself from the desire to crave the result but not the process is to guarantee disappointment 
The reason I think that's so yeah. powerful is because so many people will see the amount of followers you have on TikTok, the amount of followers you have on Instagram, or they'll see like, oh, Dominic, you're on like Spotify's charts. Like, I really, really want those things. But do they actually like want the process to get there? So could you maybe speak on that quote and that whole idea of like, yeah, I love my life personally, but you probably wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I'm definitely someone where that holds true to every aspect of my life too. Like running, I was always like, naturally good at running but by naturally good I mean like I made the varsity squad at my high school not like <laughs> I was qualifying for state or I was going to be able to run in college and so to be able to get to that next level like that really was me having a mindset shift and one and deciding that I wanted to start living the lifestyle and falling in love with the lifestyle and I think that is why I allow myself like you were saying to have these big running dreams because I know that I love the lifestyle that can get me there. And since I know that's what I love and I love the process, I get the end results too, that's incredible. But I also know that no matter what happens, I'm gonna enjoy every second of the journey along the way. And I just think that's so important for everyone and whatever their goal is, because I've seen so many people, especially from Duke, graduate and do a certain job because everyone else is doing it or they think that they should do it. And then they get five years down the road, you know, and they're probably making great money and they get five years down the road and they're like, I feel terrible. And I don't, I have not had fun the past five years. Like, I don't know why I did this job, blah, blah, blah. And so I would really challenge everyone listening to take some time. I know, I think I've spoken about this before, but I, I read the four hour work week in high school, which I feel like is not a very common high school or book to read. Um, but it really talks about how to maximize your efficiency to reach your goal. You know, if it's your job, what is it exactly that you need to do to make the money so that you can do other things that you actually love with your time because time is so precious. And I really learned, it, they also, it also walks you through how to figure out what you're passionate about and what you would like to spend your time on. And so by reading that book in high school, it really helped me get this perspective really early on of how important your time is and how to maximize every second and every hour of every day. Um, and I'm grateful that I had that perspective because it's really made a difference in helping me get to do all these different things. And I think social media is one of those things where thankfully, I mean, in every aspect of life, I've had my older sisters to look up to. And I feel like that's kind of been a, a little uh, cheat code to get, a little, to, get heavy, uh, to get a head start on most things. But for social media, especially Julia, my older sister, she sings country music and she's incredible and she, her whole industry is obviously now started to be focused around social media, which is not why she got into it. You know, she got into it because she loves the music and she loves sharing her passion through her songs and her lyrics. And social media is now this like side thing that she kind of has to do through her work to be able to get her music out. And so I've gotten to learn through her and with her how important and powerful social media can be, even though you might see it as a job and it can get annoying sometimes it really is such an incredible tool to be able to reach so many people and get to share your story. When you are like in constant go mode of like creating content or like writing a paper for a class you have at Duke or like focusing on your tempo workout the next day, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to make an assumption, but like you're constantly like go, 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 go. Like, and I'm just assuming that because I feel like type A people like you and me who do multiple things, like that's constantly the mindset, like check this box, okay, on to the next. Um, I'm curious, how do you like take a step back in those moments when it's necessary to do so? Like take a step back, take some rest so that you don't burn out and that you can be sustainably excellent and not burn yourself out on the chase towards it. You know, I feel like that's something that I'm grateful. I don't really feel like I have a problem doing. Like I really enjoy rest. And my oldest sister, Kristen, she works in finance. She's actually her company was just acquired by Coinbase. So now she's working with them. I'm a little crypto girl. <laughs> um, but she she actually is talking about how frustrated she gets with herself whenever she's tired. She's like, because I want to be like working today. I want to be able to whatever. And I think that part of my like diligence is also really focused around getting a lot of sleep every night, which I do feel like gives me the energy to continue going so much. I mean, I get I, I at least try to get like 10 hours of sleep every single night. And that's just a great kickstart to every single day. You just wake up happy. You feel good. I don't set alarms in the morning. It's a great life. But 
I have definitely slept through a couple of 830s, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just really important whenever you get to those moments where you are feeling tired to be like, wow, like I'm so proud of all the work that I've done to get to this moment. And also this is part of the journey is this like rest period and feeling tired in this moment. And I have to honor that. I have to listen to my body and let's figure out some fun things I can do that will make me happy while also giving my body the rest it needs, whether that's watching Netflix or calling your family. I think that that's one of my main things just because I'm so close to my family. Any like time that I want to just step away, I'll call one of them. And honestly, most calls with someone, person in my family are like an hour long. So it really is, we just get to talk about everything or maybe I'll go on a walk or different things like that. But I feel like little things that I've built into my routine every day, like sleep, getting good nutrition, I've gotten actually more into getting morning sunlight and taking cold showers because I've been following Dr. Andrew Huberman. (laughs) Um, So I've been doing all of that and I really feel like even though those can technically still be considered like work or things I'm checking off, they are little like constant resets throughout every day that help me continue to keep going and enjoy what I'm doing. You mentioned Dr. Andrew Huberman, who I absolutely love the guy. And uh, yeah, awesome, yeah. awesome individual who has done so much for the medical community. I'm curious, absolutely. they don't necessarily have to be doctors, but who are those people in, in your life, like outside of your family and teammates who you look up to and who you found value from their content and the things they're doing? There's actually, there's a, uh a registered dietitian in Megan Featherstone and she I've followed her stuff since high school and I actually shared some of her content in my book I also shared some of Angie Ash registered dietitian who she founded elite nutrition and worked with a bunch of um, elite athletes as well where whereas Megan is also working with a bunch of elite athletes but they're more marathon focused um, I I really just through high school and before I wrote my book loved getting to see the great content shared by registered dietitians like them to be able to learn what the biggest things were the athletes are wanting to hear and also how I was receiving it as someone on the other end, the content that they were sharing. And so, I mean, I, I quoted them in the book and then gave them credit and everything. So they're definitely two people that made a big impact on me and, and helped build that knowledge for me to be able to share the book with everyone. Okay, so I have kind of a, a deep question for you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. We're three episodes Hit me, deep. I'm so. ready. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about Emily Cole? Because I post on social media so much, people can kind of view me as like the social media girl or think that like that's my like what I do when it is what I do. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but my, especially like my family and the people who really know me they know how much like running is what I love. And I think that there are a lot of athletes that are really big into NIL and social media who are kind of using their sport as a stepping stone to build an audience or, you know, make some money with NIL when that is totally not at all like what my goal is. Like I am grateful that there is NIL so that I can share my passion for the sport because everything that I do in my life is so centered around falling in love with running and and because I fell in love with running so late as a senior in high school, I constantly feel grateful for that because I feel like I'm just getting started as, you know, a senior in college or junior or whatever with my gap semester. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for that perspective. And I, I think that I do a good job of sharing it because I I do share so much about running too on, on my pages. And it's funny because a lot of, a lot of my friends um, will tell me like, like, yeah, everyone at home is, or whenever I go home, everyone's like, so what is she like? Like, is she nice? Or is she mean? And whenever I ask people, I'm like, okay, but like, did you actually think I was going to be mean? Because I feel like I'm yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty genuine to, to who I am on my social media. And they're like, no, like, I didn't think, I didn't think you were going to be mean. But you know, some people are very different from their social medias. And they're like, you are exactly the same. And I was like, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you too, like we do a good job of really just like, putting exactly who we are on our pages and you know whether people love that or not it's who we are being unapologetically proud of that I think is something that will help you enjoy life more too um but yeah so that's definitely something that I feel like a lot of people might think is that I am way more focused on like the social media aspect but I mean even through the past couple of weeks where I've like stopped making content because I you know after the whole hair debacle I you know my quads started hurting me and I was like okay 
I've been spending a lot of time on social media. Like we need to get this focus back in because we're getting into championship season and I've taken a big step back from my social media and I've not been on my phone like nearly as much. And I'll, I'll take pictures throughout the day and then I'll just post them at the end of the day on my story. And so you can kind of see what I did throughout the day, but I wasn't on social media throughout the whole time. And that's a big, a big way that I save my time. And, and also like you were asking earlier how I, I get things done. And like, I definitely am a huge believer in batching your time, you know, whether it's cleaning and being that, having that be your main focus for two hours or like doing a, a project and having that be your only focus for three hours. And instead of trying to do things with distractions, I am a huge believer in the power of that. And so when I'm focused on something, I focused on it, which is honestly probably why I'm terrible at responding to texts on my phone. Um, but it's, it's just because like, if I want to sit down and respond to text, I'll do that for a while, but I don't like the constant distraction. Like your extreme love for running and how that's kind of like your first love. I'm curious, what are some of the biggest lessons that running has taught you? And maybe before you answer that, what do you love most about the sport? That's a great question. I, what I love most about the sport is definitely how much it benefits the rest of your life as well. Like, I feel like I am, I'm more confident. I'm performing better in school. I am able to be more productive in other areas of my life because I'm doing the things that will help me be better in running, but also just help me be better as an overall human as well. And then lessons I've learned are just that like, when you set big dreams or big goals, it can be kind of scary, but I, and I'm not going to be one to say that, you know, there haven't been people who've had really devastating injuries or really hard things happen to them. Like, I'm not going to say every single thing is a, a golden rainbow, but I, I am very grateful to be an example of how setting goals that people did not think were possible and then being able to achieve them is what like the most rewarding feeling you could ever ask for in your entire life because it's I don't know whenever you're growing up I was never someone who like kind of looked at the Olympics and was like oh I want to do that or oh I want to run in college or play in college it was like oh that's what people who are are a lot better than me at the sport will do blah 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 and now I'm in a position where I'm surrounded by people who are excellent on the day and day and I'm running times that I never thought possible before and I'm in a position where like, I'm just continuing to make bigger and bigger running goals every time I step on the track. And without a doubt, there have been extremely hard times in that journey. Like I, my freshman and sophomore year, I didn't set like, I didn't, I set a couple of PRs because they were races I had never run before, but there wasn't a race that I was really proud of or where I really felt like I was myself running again. Like I had felt that senior year of high school and where I was like really competing and I just finished the race and I was like, wow, like, this is why I love what I do. And so when you go through periods like that, it can be really hard and you're questioning, you know, why am I doing this? Why does everyone think that running is so great? This is really painful. Um, and I can just let you know that being someone who has been through that and come out on the other end and gotten to kind of see the light in a couple of different races, it's so worth it. And it's also shows the importance of making sure that whatever you do, you love the journey and the process, because if all you're focused on is the end result, it can be really hard. And you know what? It might never come. And so that's one of the, the bigger parts that I love about the running community, too, especially my team here at Duke, is just how supportive everyone is. Like, if you run fast, that doesn't mean that I'm not running fast, too. And I understand that in a race, one person gets first, one person gets second, but no one can take a time away from you. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the running community is you can cheer everyone on and just be everyone's biggest supporter because there's room for everyone to, to be a champion and to success and to have success. How often do you reflect on your journey within the sport and how far you've come? I think you were talking about like even in <laughs> high school, we've talked about this in previous conversations, but you just alluded to it where like you didn't even think that running in college was like a possibility for yourself to now like last year you made the NCAA championships, you made the freaking US championships. Like how often do you reflect on that progress and also um, reflecting on that progress, see how far you've come and use that as an affirmation that you can take those next steps. Reflecting on your success is a really hard a really hard thing because I know a lot of people talk about this, but it's always a delicate balance between striving for more and also making sure that you're celebrating the little wins along the way. 
And I'm someone who's a big advocate of celebrating the little wins along the way because I am so grateful to, you know, even be able to run here at Duke, much less get to have the opportunities that I've been able to have. And I think that that's something that your family is really helpful and important for. So whenever my parents come to watch races, like that's typically at some point over the weekend, we'll take a second to step back and be like, what? is happening like how did we get here um my dad will go on business meetings and guys that he'll meet with will be like oh my gosh my daughter's run and they like know your daughter and <laughs> they think she's you know they've gotten to follow her journey and they've read her book and blah 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 and it's just crazy how much it, everything has blown up and my life has changed so much in the last few years and i i love taking a step back and, and appreciating it all but i also like I'm not soaking it in too much and kind of always being focused on the next thing is kind of what helps us keep going. I think one thing that's very interesting is I have hard time wearing my gear that says like nationals or USA's on it. And I don't know, I think it's because I don't want to get like complacent. And I know that a lot of people talk about that with like their medals or their trophies. And I mean, that makes sense because it's kind of hard to display something in your in your house and not be like, why are you? Anyways, so, but I think that that's kind of my thing for it. I'll wear them every once in a while, but it's not like I'm going around parading my gear because one, I don't want that to be like, you know, the one experience that I like, pride myself on. Like I want to be going back and I want to make that a regular thing and I don't want to be hung up on this past event. But also on the other side of it, which is harder to talk about, I feel like there's also this element of like confidence and like feeling like, I earned that and like I deserve to be there and being able to wear, you know, the NCAA's jacket and be like, yeah, like I, I qualified for that on my own and I was able to go there and, and run a race and, and run well and be proud of it, especially after not even being close to qualifying a couple of years before. And so it's like this healthy balance between like, I don't like trying to build myself up to be like, no, I need to own it and I need to wear them. And then also, not wanting to wear them too much to where it's like, I don't know, feeling like that's what I'm kind of defining myself on because I'm definitely not. And I definitely am someone who is always focused on like the next workout or the next race. And I'm. <laughs> no, I love that. I think <laughs> that's, that's... Kind of what I got for that. No, 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 no. I love that. I think that's uh, such a, a valuable piece of wisdom that like that double, not double edged sword, but yeah. like double perspective on it. And I think that's what makes yeah. people like yourself successful is not being complacent, but also not like a lot of people are like not complacent, but to a dangerous fault where they never reflect on how far they've yeah. come. And it's always driving for more that they never actually enjoy the process in the journey because they're always yeah. searching for the outcome. Whereas you have that great perspective of like reflecting and appreciating the small wins while also realizing that you can go a lot further and you don't want to rest on yeah. your laurels, which I think is awesome. Uh, there's a quote, you were talking about confidence there, and there's a quote relating to confidence that I love, and I'd love to get your take on it. The quote is, you don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror, but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. Outwork your self-doubt. What do you think? I've talked about a lot recently, and I don't know if it's from your page or if it's from, I have a lot of motivational Instagram reels on my feed right now. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely could be that too. Um, but I, I... I mean, I think it holds true for every single aspect of life. And, you know, whether that's school or whether that's running or, you know, social media, I feel like there are so many people that want to ask, you know, like you, for example, like, you know, I want to get my podcast on the charts. How did you do it? And you're like, there are so many little things that added up to this and to have the confidence where you're like, no, like, I'm not surprised by this. Like I earned this and I put in the work to be here and it's not, it's not surprising. I'm grateful for it, but it's not something that I'm like, Oh, how did this happen? <laughs> or like you have a cheat code for it. Like it's a lot of hard work. And I think that that's something that I've really had be a huge benefit in finding confidence on the track. I definitely in my best races have always felt very grounded by previous workouts that I had done or just mindset going into the race was just in a really great spot being confident with where I was in my training and that's all mental and I have this book that I, I've shared it a couple of times on my social media but it's called 10 minute toughness and it really helps you figure out 
how to get into the best mindset to where you're competing at your most confident, calm, and relaxed self for any sport. It's not for running. It's actually a lot of baseball references throughout the whole thing. Um, and I love rereading that book before every big race. I don't honestly I haven't even finished the book. I only like the first half is all about actual visualization and the actual 10 minute toughness like practice. Whereas the whole second half is about setting goals. And so I've only read the first half, but I've read it like four times. <laughs> so at some point I'll read the second half and I'll let you know if I like that part too. Um, but I just love it. And I think especially the, the section teaching you how to do visualization has been so incredibly impactful for me. I remember reading it in the tent right before I ran my regionals race to qualify for nationals for the steeplechase. And in that race, I just felt so calm. Like I honestly felt like I jogged the race and because all that I had to do was get first or second to qualify. And so I was like, I'm just going to stay in second place the whole time. I'm not going to push the pace and I'm just going to cross the line. And like, that's my job for today. And I ran like 958 or something. And I felt like I was jogging. I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. <laughs> but it was really all because of my mindset going in. I had like visualized myself staying extremely calm for the whole thing and visualized myself staying in that position. And it was taught to me through this chapter in the book. And it really walked me through how to do it because I didn't understand how to do it before. And now I do it before every single race. And yeah, I just feel like that has been a, a really big benefactor into helping me feel more confident in racing. And then also in whenever you're sharing about like your journey, I think, especially with social media, I think that since I didn't just have one thing that randomly blew up, it's been a, a long process of a lot of work and a lot of editing of videos and thought that goes into everything that I share. It makes me feel a lot more confident whenever people are asking me recommendations for them or different, like, like creating so much content and people are asking me questions like that. I feel really confident being able to give people an idea of whether they would like it or not, because it's something that I've spent so much time doing. Off of what you were talking about there, I think one of the things I see most consistently in high performing individuals is the ability to be aware about the thoughts you're having. Uh, because humans naturally have so many negative thoughts. The Cleveland Clinic came out with a study like a few years ago where 80, like 80% 80 of our repeated thoughts each day are negative. And it's like our internal directly affects the external. And especially in a race, yeah. everyone knows that feeling when their mindset exactly. is slipping and then the whole pace, the whole race slips. So how much has that been important to you? Like outside of visualization or even outside of running, just in the day-to-day -day working on your internal so that you can affect the, the results externally? Well, I'll even keep it like to running. My indoor season was not great. I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat it. It was really hard for me and it was definitely more just a really challenging mental season for myself. And I, like the, um, the girl who I finished right behind it while I realized in the steeple, I was looking at her, her time from indoors. And I was like, Emily, I was like, how come I was not, anyways, I've gotten my stuff together partially. <laughs> um, but I was just like going through indoor season. I was having a really hard time on the mental side of running. And, you know, it just goes to show that you never have everything figured out. And even people who have figured it out in the past, it's still a daily challenge to have that confidence and be able to perform at your best every single time that you step on the line. And I think that's what's so cool about really incredible athletes like, you know, LeBron James, who repeat that excellence on such a daily basis that it's just become expected at this point. And that's just so incredible. And obviously that's the, the goal for all athletes, but through indoor season, I, I was in a lot of different places and I definitely wasn't as calm and centered and confident in my running, even though I was crushing workouts. It was like, I was so calm at practice that I would go rip, you know, a really great tempo or a really great workout. And it was honestly through a lot of cross country too. And then I would just build up the meets a lot. I think that I can, I'm someone who cares so much about running and who has put so much into running, but that can definitely be a negative that sometimes when you step on the line, like, oh, okay, this is the opportunity to like show all of the work I've done for the past year. And it's like, no, like you, 
you're just going out. I think something that helps me reframe it a lot of the times is you're just going out and doing what you do every single day on the track at Duke. It's nothing different. And <laughs> if you were running a, a time trial at practice, you wouldn't be all worked up. And I'm definitely someone who gets worked up enough before races that I don't need to hype myself up. Like I'm not listening to hype up music. I, I'm passionate enough about it that my main focus is always calming myself down and bringing myself down before I step on the line. Cause I'm going to have pre-race jitters no matter what. And I think that was a really cool thing that I got to see come together at my race at Raleigh relays because it was so hot. It was like 80 degrees. I mean, I know, it's going to be way more hot at nationals in Texas. It's going to be 100 or whatever. But it was really hot considering how it had just been like 40 degrees a couple of days before. And so it was 80 degrees warming up, super hot. And I also had been feeling pretty terrible the whole week before the race. And I was like, you know what? I can have a bad attitude about this. Or I can just be like, look, I'm doing everything in my power to have a good race right now. And I like, I got an ice pack. I asked my trainer if I could possibly get like a big ice pack and I was just holding it on my wrists, holding it on my neck before the race. I did my strides like 15 minutes out and then I just kind of hung out for 15 minutes. I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm already plenty warm. I'm just gonna stay loose and just kind of hang around here and I'm not gonna exert any more energy. And I was honestly hoping to run around like a 10.05 for my season opener because my season opener was a 10.22 last year. And I ran a 953 and I was like, what just happened? Cause we came through around three laps and he said we were on 10, 12 pace. And so I knew we were going a little slow and I knew that I felt like I had a lot saved up in the tank at that point. And even through like three and two laps, there were a couple of points where I felt like I wanted to make a move to go in first. And I did that a lot during indoor season and it bit me. And I, you know, lost it in the last couple of laps. And so I learned from those lessons and I was like, no, I'm just going to hang out here and, you know, try and close down the last lap. And we ended up both running 72s for our last laps. And she still got me. She beat by half a second. But I was so thrilled after that race because it was it was just such an incredible way to open the season. And I was so excited by how well we cut down the second half, too. Um so yeah, I just think that that's a, it was a really cool experiment to see how my mindset definitely held me back in indoor season, but those challenges were ones that were important to me and helping me learn and grow to be the best Emily that I can be for this outdoor season. What would be your message to the people who follow you and who are invested in your life, who look up to you and one day want to do some of the things you have, or even have somewhat of an impact that you have? What would be your message to those people? I saw this balloon, not balloon. I saw this, it wasn't a meme, but it was a, a post on, on Instagram. And it was this teacher had had his students do this exercise where they all wrote their names on balloons and threw them in the hallway. So there were hundreds of balloons in the hallway and he, he had them try to find their balloon with their name on it for like 30 minutes, like no one could find it. And then he was like, okay, how about you go pick a balloon and then you bring it to the person whose balloon it is. And everyone had their balloon within like 30 seconds. And his point was these balloons are like happiness. If you continue to go out searching for your own, you'll never find it. But if you just focus on helping bring happiness to others and helping be a light in other people's lives, it'll help you find your own. And I think that is something that was very powerful for me to read. And I honestly saw it yesterday, um, but it's just so true. And I think that's something that I, not being a star athlete in high school, and I uh, honestly rode the bench a lot in, in uh, my volleyball and basketball teams. I was always the one who was just like screaming at the top of my lungs, like cheering everyone on, like whether we're in practice, I was always just trying to help people out, just be the hardest worker on the court and just like give it my all, but also just really be everyone around me's biggest supporter throughout the whole time. And like, obviously this is fun for everyone around you too, but it makes you feel so good too. Like it's an enjoyable experience for everyone. And I think that's something that I try to embody in every aspect of my life. Whenever there's someone around 
even if you're just passing someone on the sidewalk. I mean, there are so many examples of where I've learned this in real life of just if you're passing someone on the sidewalk and you like their outfit, you don't tell them because that little like can make their day, make their month, and you don't know what they're going through and it can make such a huge difference. And so I think that that's something that I really try to be a good example of. And I also just hope that a lot of people understand that if they are in a place where they're trying to figure out what they want to do or they're, you know, not feeling the best, that this is, you know, definitely something that can help you if you start focusing on helping other people around you and, and guiding yourself in that way, it'll probably help you find it yourself too. I love that. I love that balloon story you shared. That's I haven't heard that before and super unique. So I love that. One final question for you. You know me. The first episode I do with a guest, I ask the Gordon Ramsay question. I don't remember if I asked you anything last episode because it was all about your book. Uh, today's episode, what I've started to do is for a reoccurring guest on the second time, instead of asking the Gordon Ramsay question again, because that's just, you know, beating a broken record. The question I ask is what is, and by the way, we love your mom. Mama Cole, if you're listening, uh, we love you, appreciate you. Um, my question <laughs> is, what is your favorite meal that your mom makes, Mrs. Cole? What's your favorite meal of hers? Oh my gosh. I have to say your crawfish etouffee. So this is something that a lot of people don't know about me is both my parents are from Louisiana. And so they're both Cajun and I grew up having Cajun food. My high school graduation party was a crawfish boil. And I grew up on gumbo and crabache etouffee and jambalaya. So I have to say crabache etouffee, which we actually haven't had in a while. So I need to go home and get some more of that because it's just so good. And it's, it's a, I guess to describe people as a dish, if you've had gumbo before, which is basically just like a rice and then like a, a very salty, obviously, which I love, <laughs> soup with kind of either like chicken and sausage or like seafood um, gumbo. And it just... I don't know how to describe the flavor. I feel like it has more pepper in it. It's a little bit, got a bit more of a kick to it. It's like gumbo, but instead of it being a soup, it's like a thicker paste that you just like pour over the rice. And it's so good and it's very unique. I feel like a lot of people have not had it. But yeah, that's definitely my favorite mama cold dish. Well, Emily, appreciate you greatly and all you do for the sport. And honestly, for the world, it, it your reach far extends outside of the sport of running. So greatly appreciate you coming on the Says podcast. Says you, Dom. Thank and, you so much for everything um, you do. You're incredible. Yeah, also, I will say, Fourth edition of the podcast, I might be at NCAA, so potentially in-person podcast <gasps> next. Let's do it. No way. That'd be so sick. I would love nothing. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.